Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Larry from Invase Technologies, a leading brand that brings together everything you need to gain visibility and control over your operations. We've had Invase on the show once before where we found out more about the company itself. So this time around, Larry and I talked about the power of strategic mergers and acquisitions, attracting and retaining top talent, and building successful supply chain communities. It was a fascinating episode, really refreshing to talk about something just a little bit different. So I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe you subscribe to the show. It was episode 325. And remember, if you have a supply chain challenge, we've most likely had the solution on our show. So go to letstalksupplychain.com, put in the keyword in the search function, and that content will come up for you. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Onboard new EDI trading partners in days, not months, with Orderful. Orderful provides a modern EDI platform that is displacing legacy on-premise and managed service solutions. Stop building point-to-point solutions. If you are a retailer, manufacturer, logistics provider, or technology company, you can build a single integration to Orderful's API, and Orderful will validate translate and communicate transactions to all of your trading partners. Orderful customers are onboarding new trading partners 80% faster, resulting in increased revenue and lower overall EDI costs. To modernize your EDI infrastructure, visit Orderful, O-R-D-E-R-F-U-L dot com and speak to an EDI expert today. Welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today, I'm joined by one of Supply Chain Digital's top 100 women in supply chain and a 2022 pro to know. She's an impressive example of a woman in supply chain, but who is she? Well, I'll let you know after our poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, how are your 2023 resolutions going so far? 60% of you said working on them, 23% said maybe in 2024, and 17% of you said smash them. Now, resolutions, I like the fact that we had 23% saying maybe in 2024, because I'm a big proponent of prioritizing and shifting. If it doesn't work that day, it's okay to shift it to tomorrow. And I also hope that some of your resolutions was around sustainability and that you picked a sustainability goal and you're working towards that whenever you can. Tom says, can't vote because I never made them. Will Urban, I really like the maybe as it leaves me a little wiggle room. I really like that. Will and I talked about this on Thoughts and Coffee on uh, February 14th. If you missed out on that episode, go and check it out over on our YouTube channel. Now back to today's podcast and the inspirational woman in supply chain I have with me today is Paige Way Cox. Paige is a global leader with extensive cross-border supply chain experience. Over the course of her 20-year career at SAP, she has held a variety of management positions across the U.S. and Germany. 
The recipient of Supply Chain and Demand Executives prestigious Women in Supply Chain Award, Paige is passionate about transforming today's fragmented supply chains into a unified, collaborative, and intelligent network of networks. Today, Paige will be talking to us about her career so far, the importance of industry recognition for women, why there's more supply chain disruption to come, and moving countries and continents to pursue her dream. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all of the women following in her footsteps. Now, we could not have our Women in Supply Chain series without our sponsor. Women fuel the success of some of the world's most successful businesses, yet barriers still exist. SAP is committed to supporting and elevating a new generation of women to profoundly lead and impact global supply chains and are proud to support the Women in Supply Chain series and its efforts. Supply chains need to evolve from low cost and optimized to risk resilient and sustainable and SAP can help. SAP Digital Supply Chain Solutions connect the entire process, design, planning, manufacturing, logistics, maintenance, and service, connecting your supply chains to the rest of your business and all your contextual data, supporting your efforts in alleviating risks in your supply chains. SAP is the market leader in enterprise application software and for the last 50 years has been helping companies to run better. Find out more at sap.com forward slash SCM. So welcome to the show, Paige. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, the women that I've met from SAP are incredibly talented, and you are certainly no exception. The positions you've held over the course of your career so far have been the types of roles women dream of, and you've achieved all of this whilst moving abroad as well. So I'm really looking forward to finding out more and hearing your words of wisdom, because I think there's going to be a lot for the next generation to learn from you. So let's dive right in. How did you get into supply chain? I mean, pretty much everyone I know or I interview falls into it one way or another. So yeah. what did that look like for you? That's super interesting. So I'm I'm the I'm the first generation child of um Chinese American. Um, obviously, I fell into supply chain uh, for more of a at the, at the beginning is more of a practical thing, right? Because uh, that uh, instead of uh, go and design shoes and and, and uh, go become a journalist when I was younger, that that uh, I sort of uh, uh, went into IT and software. So I actually started in the shop floor, doing more of um, you know, systems engineering and moving towards more of to management consulting. Then ultimately, I uh, landed uh, by leading a software a small startup company in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, that was a manufacturing execution system. So I was heading up a development. Then, then sort of uh, merged into the acquisition, being acquired by SAP. And then I, wow. my career kind of uh, went from manufacturing to R&D, PLM, to logistics, planning, and networks now. So it's uh, kind of traveling the entire supply chain, I would say. But... Start, starting very concrete in the shop floor and then moving kind of uh, up chain. It's yeah, been a I super have a, fun journey. 
Yeah, I have I have a bit of a similar um, start to my career because I started off as reception at a logistics company. So <laughs> I know what it's like to, you know, start on that shop floor and sort of work your way into different departments and sort of see which ones work for you, which ones di- don't and which ones you like to do and which ones you don't like to do. That's definitely something that I tell people to do in their careers all the time. So you started at SAP back in 2000 which is an impressive tenure, right? You've held all sorts of positions over the years, which you just mentioned. So talk to, talk us through how the industry has changed over that time. How have you changed and what have you learned along the way? Um, I would say in, in, in the 2000s, uh, when, you know, 2000, I actually was a part of a, a startup that was acquired at SAP in 2008, um, so it's kind of a combined career. But I, if I would say in the 2000s was a, a lot of times that was moving towards the Y2K. They the, remember those days yes. where people were so scared about the digits. Um, yeah. So that that's where um, my I moved more from, a, you know, more hands-on uh, development sort of a role into more of a strategic management, strategic consulting kind of role. Then essentially moving to um, driving more this entrepreneurship. We had this huge startup scene and then the bubble burst and it was just a, it's a really, really interesting era. At that time, not many people talk about supply chain. It's more about how do we, you know, how, how do we optimize my enterprise and how do I uh, really introduce. I think that was the beginning of the digitization at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So uh, starting at that point, a lot of the companies are spending decades about implementing ERP by extending these very fragmented um, uh, corporate functions uh, and departmental function into more end-to-end the enterprise view. And I think, you know, fast forward a few years as a as, uh, Companies started being much more focusing on customer centricity. So I would say, you know, ten years ago we started talking about that consumer centricity, that segment of one, and that kind of demand-driven supply chain. And supply chain started coming into the picture a little bit, and people started saying, "Hey, look, what is really supply chain?" Remember. When we moved to Germany, my daughter was eight and she was like, mommy, what do you do? I said, think about that every uh, company has a product or multiple product. And then there's us who are buying or consuming the product. And then to make that right product to the right people are using it in the end, like you and me, think about everything in the middle is the supply chain. So, it, you know, so then you started getting into that. And if we will look um, three years uh, throughout the pandemic and, and, and all the disruption in the war, uh, the war and everything, um, the last years, now uh, supply chain is sexy because not a single CEO doesn't go on stage and talk about we want a resilient supply chain, yeah, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, that demand-driven supply chain also becomes supply-driven uh, supply chain. Because the, the the pandemics highlighted is that how where do I 
overcome the shortage of supply, but also how do I really build in agility to have the fulfillment of the supply? So no longer is one dimensional thing. And you see the trend of enterprise from that ERP centric, that digitalization within my enterprise to this much network economy. How do I manage my supply chain together with the companies that I do business with, right? right. Because I always have to buy material to produce something and I need to ship it somewhere. I need people to service it. I need to take care of my customers. I have financial partners that are ma- making the uh, not just the material flow, but, but also the financial flow. So you name it. There's so many intertwined pieces that is making my supply chain work. So by nature, supply chain becomes a network business. And that's why kind of um, also my own evolution was kind of also going inside this optimization of the enterprise to this intercompany workflow. Yeah, so that's what I see how we are kind of shifting towards that and makes a a super interesting time. I mean, supply chain itself, uh, it's challenging, right? So it's it's twenty four seven. It's mission critical. So yeah. so it's um, it's really you need to be uh, in it. You need to like it. Yeah, it's a lot and of you, uh, work. <laughs> yeah, and you need to have the right partners. You need to have the right talent, the right people. I mean, there's so many components to it. You need to have the right suppliers and partners. So you you also mentioned that uh, you moved to Germany, and currently right now you're in Germany, where you've been since 2015. How did the opportunity to work in Europe come about and what made you take the leap? And you stayed, right? So you must enjoy it. How is it different culturally to life in the U.S.? Yeah, that it's really, really different. And then, you know, German is such a difficult language. So yes. I'm still quite dumb after eight years. I still shout at people, you know, English, <laughs> bitte. Um, but it's, it's like... Um, um, I, I kind of fell into this when uh, when SAP acquired my little startup um, and then I started traveling to Germany to do this post-acquisition, merger acquisition. Okay. And then that's a lot about taking the portfolio and the product to make it seamlessly connected and integrated as a part of uh, SAP, right? So so you don't have these multiple products with um, with kind of broken experience for the customer. So I spent a lot of time commuting and coming here, which ultimately landed me uh, opportunity to drive China growth. So in 2012, 2013, I started helping uh, driving China growth, giving my language background uh, and the things then the company thought, hey, let's expand the supply chain uh, practices and also core R&D into the greater China market. So I was uh, uh, going to Shanghai and setting up our development labs and, and recruiting the people and, up and bring them up and then also ultimately giving them uh, topics they can own and drive and, and, and not just kind of a development factory, but more of right. something they can own and they can also excel in it. And that's what I worked on for that a couple of years, which was super tough flying from Atlanta to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. You just constantly jet lagged the 13 hour difference. So finally, when all of that is set up, um, 
then the company, and then I, um, then it would be a natural transition to hand over to somebody either locally or, or somebody in Europe that with a little bit of more time zone overlap than I would be in, uh, from US. Um, and, and then SAP asked me whether I would consider to come to the headquarter and taking on a global responsibility um, so that I can over being in the middle of the time zone, uh, being wow. able to kind of both leading both the U.S. and China and here. And then I took that opportunity because um, at the time was uh, my daughter was eight and, and we felt like it was the right time uh, also for the family to move. Um, my husband is actually British, so we are a little bit closer to family. And this was before right. Brexit, so it made a lot of sense at that time. <laughs> and coming to the EU was a breeze, right? Just come as a family. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so then I, I came and in, into uh, into this global role. Started in manufacturing, then uh, went to launch a cloud portfolio for PLM. Uh, then started into uh, building the logistics network from scratch. So a few things, it's always kind of shaping and, and uh, driving the next thing, the next thing. And then it's then eight years passed really quick because uh, <laughs> I, every <laughs> two, three years, there's almost a new job for me to do. Um, and then you look back and you're like, wow, that's a lot wow. of time already. <laughs> Why don't I speak German already? This is... <laughs> It is a different, a difficult language to learn. I was just there a year ago and um, it was nice. I really enjoyed it. Love Germany. Um, but yeah, there was no way to pick up the language very quickly. It's, yeah. it is a bit of a different, difficult uh, language. You also asked me about the culture side. It's a one culture thing. It's just my own observation. It, it's, yeah. it's different. Both, I think uh, the, the both work uh, work ethics and this commitment to the American culture in Germany, it's very similar. I, I would say um, that German is very structured, uh, um, the, the, the American side, it's slightly different. Uh, and then when you bring the two together, you, you have a little bit that spontaneousness with the structure. Kind of, if you work really well together, it could be really, really cool. Uh, or you could really kind of have a, quite a bit of friction. And I always right. see myself as that bridge uh, to connect mm. the East and the West. Um, one thing culturally different is because I'm also a first generation American, right? I think the American culture is very friendly by default. Um, so, you, you know, you, you can go to a party and you never feel out of place because somebody would always say, hey, how are you doing? And they make a small talks and you're kind of uh, included somehow. Um, that gives you the illusion that you are part of something. Maybe you're even not, but the people are just nice. Uh, but what, what do they really feel about you? You don't know. Um, uh, and the, the Germans, it's, it's feel like uh, the Germans, they want to get to know you. But if you're passing by, you're not invested to be uh, to integrate, to be part of this. Um Germans are much more reserved, uh, so they mm-hmm. they would uh, they become a lot warmer. And when they feel like, hey, she's here to stay, she has a German contract. She's not on a two year assignment. So I find right. that to be a blessing because I, I I did make the commitment to come. 
I never thought I would stay this long, <laughs> but it was a, but it was like I was local, so it felt like mm-hmm. then uh, people embraced my uh, shortcoming a lot better with forgiveness that I don't speak German, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then I felt like that was part of the, the thing, um, yeah. And I see others may struggle a little bit because even people feel like you're here two years, and they they didn't wanna invest a lot of time and affection that you're just gonna leave right so it's yeah just interesting I, I appreciate you sharing that because um when we talk about a career in supply chain or we talk about you know the international aspect the travel aspect um the opportunities to be able to move to different places we do have to keep in mind the culture that we're moving to and what does that mean for us and how does that look like um, within the company or maybe within the culture? Um, And what do we need to do to sort of figure out our place within that culture? And so I appreciate you sharing that with us because it does make a difference. You know, if you have a short-term contract versus long-term contract, depending on where you're going. And it's a really good thing to keep in mind, especially if you're ambitious in this industry and looking to move or take advantage of some of those opportunities. So you're currently Senior Vice President, Chief Product Officer, and Global Head of SAP Business Network. Just a few responsibilities. What does that role encompass? What does a day in your life look like? Yeah, the day in life, um, the the fun part is the creation and the creating the purpose and the impact. Uh, the non-fun part is um, there's no... Um, buffer time you know so I, I don't know that you look back your career and then I I was uh, sometime during uh, Christmas time and just had a little bit of downtime and then I thought yeah you wake up then I don't have a fully loaded calendar you almost feel instantly lost because that oh, became so- who you are right <laughs> it is crazy how you um <laughs> you know don't have that time to think and to recenter and to relearn things and 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 mm-hmm. furthermore just to reflect but I think um, mostly I always feel like um, you know in my role it's it's a sort of a both the inspiration vision and strategy part but it also the execution so my day-to-day is how do I work with my team to balance that how do I mm-hmm. continue to bring that fireworks of innovation that that reimagining the 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 the, the SAP um, uh, purpose to our customers uh, to make that impact, and but then how to actually translate that into the a- actual execution and then and then being concrete and being uh, also accountable. So those are the things that we do, and then of course uh, we have a huge. Um, uh, global organization that spends all these time zones is so <laughs> difficult to uh, you know when you come together when we meet face and face and then I was like looking at my team and I go wow I'm so lucky these are these are incredible talents and then they actually follow my lead you know uh, mm-hmm. and and and, the, and then but on the days when we are such a global matrix organization I, I i also struggle right how do i bring my my key talent in australia and my uh, people in the west coast in the us and germany onto the same call and how do we mm-hmm. how do we really uh, come together and talk about things and talk about our minds 
and that's that's really that's difficult. Uh, we mm-hmm. do it, uh, but it's a, it, it takes a lot of commitment and sacrifice. Somebody always miss a meal, you know, breakfast mm-hmm. or lunch or dinner, or some right. somebody always uh, miss so some true. sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think that what it drives you, I, I would say, is that purpose. If if there is a purpose to to make, you know, as if you always say, and I truly believe that we we. Um, we uh, we make company run better. We improve um, people's lives. Mm-hmm. So if you for everything you do, if that is the impact that you're driving together with your customers and and partners, and you feel that you are contributing to that uh, purpose, then you know you are coming together as a, as a whole and as a team. And that that kind of the day goes by very fast. Um, the thing is that, especially uh, during the last uh, year um, or two years, during the disruption time of the supply chain, and by closely working with the thought leaders and the customers in the industry, and really driving that resiliency, transparency, and 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 this sustainability um, purpose into the supply chain. Is super fulfilling because it's you're not just randomly creating some kind of SaaS software. You are actually right. you're really helping the world run right, and and mm-hmm. that's uh, that that should be that that's something. It's really about giving um, to as yeah. a purpose. So that to me is super important. Yeah. yeah, it's so important to have purpose, and honestly, you know, I think it's what creates impact not only for ourselves, but as teams and then as organizations as well. Um, What you're describing also sounds like an entrepreneur. (laughs) It's kind of describes the same thing that I have in my day to day. I have a team that is all over the world and bringing them together can be a little bit of a challenge as well. But then also being the visionary the strategy and then also the execution. Um, so you're you're kind of an intrapreneur, right? I think that's a word where you're yeah. taking on all of those responsibility as, a, as an entrepreneur, but being within a business as well. So you've said that despite all the supply chain turbulence over the past few years, that calmer waters are not ahead. What are some of the challenges that you're seeing at an industry level, but also from the perspective of SAP and your customers? How are you tackling them? Hmm. So uh, let's first outside in looking at the industry and the market. I think you have... We, we've gone through this incredible globalization, but I also see the trend of localization. So as we move mm-hmm. into kind of different, it was starting with the Brexit and a different data residency and different regulations, like the EU now has a special um, regulatory things about data. And then you have a certain even regions that has even more strict on the data. So I think that supply chain is becoming um, more regional, but yet even more global. What I mean that is that that the the complexity of uh, the supply chain is no longer about finding the cheapest supply, um, or um, or is about hundred percent outsource uh, with the margin. But it's about how my whole um, supply chain and demand chain can, can connect and meet and mm-hmm. how I also contribute to the entire world's circularity. Because then it's, it's uh, 
you know, the cost of the material is no longer just the material itself, but it's also the sustainability part of it. And mm -hmm. it's also about, you know, who do I who do I do business with? How do I collaborate? What what do I collaborate? Right. And with whom should I collaborate? And with that, where would the data reside? Who has control over what? And what insights should I get? But how much do I actually participate to gain those insights? So it gets very complex, and mm -hmm. uh, which uh, make SAP um, a unique opportunity to work with the customers to drive that next-gen uh, supply chain that is network enabled because uh, yeah. if we think about uh, we are working with the world um, you know biggest and smallest enterprise around the world driving that individually but the thing is in a mirror image your demand is my supply and your forecast is my is, is my planning so so like mm -hmm. your your sales is my purchase you know like you see the mirror effect that each enterprise somehow if we can create that connectivity tissue then we can have that multi-tier enterprise supply chain and demand chains kind of connect Right. Mm. And that's kind of the transformation. Um, I see SAP moving towards that by uh, by orchestrating that intra-company um, flows to the intra-company flows. And I also see that we as a neutral partner, we can help industry to come together to drive much more standardization, much more network effect. And if we could do that, I, I believe that that's that true circularity can be achieved. Otherwise, you're only talking about the carbon neutral net zero. In the mm -hmm. end, if you have no knowledge beyond your one and a half tier of your supply or demand, then how do you really achieve that net, net zero in the end? So I think... Yeah that our role changes so that not just being a technology provider, I think we also now have a chance to together with our customers to, to do that big transformation. And we as a 50 year old company coming from this very enterprise resource planning uh, um, area. Now we also have uh, another 50 years so we can reinvent uh, how that, that, that uh, enterprise uh, uh, planning can become that networking enterprise planning. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also something of how we could evolve as a company. Yeah. And I love that analogy. That push pull effect is something that we don't really talk a lot about, but you're right. My sale is your purchase, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I always say collaboration is the future of business. And so what can that look like? And I think we have some work to do, but I think we can definitely get there. And I think technology is going to help us with that. So what has been your experience as a woman working for 25 years in a male dominated industry? Do you think the landscape for women has changed? Um, over the course of your career? Definitely, I think so. Uh, when I first started, um, when I first got out of college, I think I, I, I took this system engineering job with the EDS and literally I, I show up in the customer General Motors uh, IT department and I was the only girl there. And, mm -hmm. and I was the only consultant and I was the only girl there. 
Um, today, if I look at you know uh, my teams around the world, I see a lot of beautiful young women that are entering uh, with the full passion and the wide eyes. You know, it's uh, it's definitely a lot more. Um, and you also see, I am also super inspired as I meet uh, our dear customers uh, who are heading up uh, as a chief supply chain officer or chief procurement awesome. officer. I see more and more women doing those roles. So uh, so I think we are much more diversified. And I, I think uh, women, um, hopefully more women, will find the, the topic to be interesting. Because mm-hmm. uh, because if you're a problem solver, there's no other field uh, more more interesting than supply chain. It's just you just uh, the, there are just so many challenges there that nobody has answer. Um, that it, it makes this industry uh, super super challenging, but it's also mm-hmm. very fulfilling, right? Because you yeah. never you never mm-hmm. will be able to say, hey, today I go on cruise control, everything's going to go the way exactly it should go. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And we spoke to Darcy uh, McLaren recently. She spoke about how important both mentors and sponsors had been to her career success. What advice would you give to anyone listening that might be thinking about how to elevate female voices in the workplace or or perhaps maybe create more leadership opportunities for women. Yeah, I always, uh, um, I, I totally agree with Darcy, and and by the way, I love her too. Um, it, it it's it's uh, you. Uh, I had such a privilege that I've met so many men and women in my life who who sort of uh, shared their experiences with me, mentored mm-hmm. me. And then also some of them lead me along because I think you always need, uh, f- someone needs to believe in you. And I was mm-hmm. like, I always joke about it. Like I'm this person's protege, that person's protege. I, I, I have been many people's protege and it's a joke, but it's actually not a joke in some ways because I think to really grow and to learn that you need someone who kind of challenge you and push you towards that, but then also mm-hmm. kind of support you and, and open their network to you mm-hmm. so you can attach to and grow to it. And I think that's really important. And I just, um, I think it's not my advice, but more of my learning to all the other females, uh, whether you are the leaders or um, aspire to be leaders, I think women, it's more challenging. We need to dedicate time. We need to find mm-hmm. time to connect and also to to support each other. Um, it's not a, a gender kind of thing, but but I, I do think women has more. We take more on ourselves as a caregiver. So usually at, at home, that you naturally um, play. A, a lot of uh, more uh, closer role with your children, and 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 then you also tend to become the caregiver for the elder parents. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in my cases, like that, and I'm the only child, and also uh, a girl. So so like you naturally feel you assume that mother and the wife uh, role, no matter what other role you have, uh, um, and then. And which makes uh, time very, very challenging for us because you, you don't have a lot of time for yourself, um, just for yourself. Um, and, and you definitely don't have, 
enough uh, uh, network time that uh, like the guys could go to a game and go ski as a group or go play golf mm -hmm. as a group. Like you don't have as much of that time. Um, perhaps we also don't create enough of those time for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the challenge. And then we have to find yeah, those and then need to, I mean, it's just, everything is a choice. Um, so I think we just have to be self-aware of that, uh, that, that time is, is a challenging part. And then how do we find those moments? How do we build a network that mm -hmm. having the, the, that support for each other? And I, mm -hmm. I think, and then there's no right and wrong answer. And in the end, it's a, uh, that's yeah. just something you have to navigate. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm glad you said that. I'm actually working on something right now to bring women in supply chain together more often to network um, and do all of those things that you said. So I'm I'm very excited about what we're building and the fact that um, it's something that is needed in the industry. Now, you were featured in Supply Chain Digital's Top 100 Women in Supply Chain last year, and you've been a recipient of the Women in Supply Chain Award. So congratulations. Why do you think it's important to continue to have these awards and accolades to celebrate women in the industry? Um yeah, I'm incredibly lucky and flattered because especially if I look at all the other amazing women there and to just be at their company is already a big honor. Um, I think it's important to do so, not so much about the awards itself, but it's more about giving that awareness and, and also giving that inspiration to the the younger women out there that they mm -hmm. actually think how huh, that when I grow up that could be me right that uh, mm -hmm. um, I could I could be uh, I could be one of those so that that could be a choice yeah. um, and and that's um, that's something quite cool because I uh, my daughter now is a teenager and then I her friends and then sometimes they talk about it and then they joke about it and so like when I get get to be a middle-aged woman. I want to be a Vivi's mom. And I was okay, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Let's just subtract the middle-aged part, but I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think it's something that just becomes that that, that can be a career trajectory that could be a path mm -hmm. that, that women can foresee. That And it yeah. could be fun, you know, like, like if they mm -hmm. if it's something real and they can think yeah it's a hard work it's but it's fun and and uh, mm -hmm. then then hopefully more women would want to come yeah. and, and join this field because when men and women coming together and looking at the same problem from the challenges from different lenses we come mm -hmm. up with this such amazing perspectives and also different solutions which is mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, and it's so rewarding. So what's one thing that you're most proud of in your career? Or maybe personal life, personal or professional? Uh, that's a tough one. I would say mm -hmm. um, I, I'm never satisfied with the status quo. So I've <laughs> I always... <love> <laughs> I, and then I never make regrets. I only mm. learn from it. Um, I have a lot of learnings, but I never say every choice I made is my choice and everything 
I did uh, for the next thing it is is a status quo that I I wanted to go and break and, and challenge myself. So it's never about uh, uh, being somebody else. It's being me, and it's being a better version of me every day. Um, yes, and, and that's what I uh, I think that I that that's something I I, I feel good about and I feel like I would never do it differently. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I always say, you know, it's hard to be something that you're not, right? So always be yourself and always look for growth and ways to be able to do that. And I love that you said be a better version of myself every single day, whether that's for yourself, for your team, you know, whatever that looks like for you. But yeah, just being yourself and being self-aware and knowing what you like and what you don't like and and just not pretending to be something that you're not. Yeah, and then and then be okay that you make mistakes because you're learning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You take absolutely. a chance. You take a risk. And I yeah. think moving to Germany was a big risk, but it's a very exactly. very um well-made decision. I would do it all over yeah. again. Nice. I love that. So last but not least, what does the future look like for Paige? Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't know. Um, it's going back <laughs> to the challenge and the status quo. So it's always, um, if I, you know, three things uh, that I love people, um, I think it's the heart and soul of everything we do. Um, so for me, it's always, uh, in. I'm in the network business, which is a people business somewhat too. Supply chain is about building that right relationship. But we talked about a little bit earlier. Is how do we, uh, how do we create purpose and then and then mm. creating value and impact for our customers? So those are kind of the three things. There's always a center somewhere in in my mind, and then um, yeah. So I'm always uh, um, open to the next uh, thing. Um, yeah, we said the challenge, the status quo. So I leave that quite open. Um, but I think if we are always having fun together with the, with the people and driving that purpose and impact for our customers, then it could be anything, Sarah, mm -hmm. it could be anything. And then, you know, I do want to ask you, what's one piece of advice really quickly, one thing that you would have for girls and women looking to follow in your footsteps? Believe in yourselves. Um, uh, years ago, when I was uh, hesitating of taking on responsibility or making a change, um, and I had a great mentor that told me one thing is she was uh, obviously she had a lot learning at the time. She said, Paige, there's it's not like everybody's this, but there are some difference between men and women. When there's a job out there you wanted to apply, when the men look at the 10 qualifications, all the first one, the line, ah, I meet, they immediately apply. <laughs> now we're joking a little bit. The women will study all 10 and then say, wow, I kind of meet five, six, there's a three, maybe three and a half, I need to improve. Let me go improve on that and then I come back. So. Mm. A little bit of behavior change, um, I, I would say 
you know, always have that humbleness, that self-reflection and awareness in mind. But it's okay to be a little bit bullish. It's actually absolutely okay to go for it. And, and to go for a little stretch goal because you believe in yourself. And then you, if you have the right people helping you, you have that right attitude, you can make it. You don't have to go and work on it for months and years and say, now I'm ready for it. No, you are ready for it. You can do it. Yes, you are ready for it. You can do it. Paige, it's been a real honor to have you on the show. You're so passionate about transforming supply chains with collaboration and smart technology. You really are a woman after my own heart. And your bravery and ambition as a woman in supply chain is really inspirational. I mean, moving around the US and then on to Germany, all whilst excelling in high-level leadership positions, you know, truly shows women what they are capable of and what can be achieved if you work hard, you're committed, and you really put your mind to it. And it reminds some of the male leaders out there why they really need to make space for women. So Paige, thank you so much for joining me on our Woman in Supply Chain series, sharing yourself with us, sharing your authenticity, and really inspiring all the women out there in supply chain and the ones that are coming up. So thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Sarah. And it's absolutely so fun talking to you. And thank you for having me. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. Uh, plus, if you have a supply chain challenge, we've most likely had the solution on our show. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com, put your keyword in the search bar, and all of that content will come up. You'll find out whether they're the right partner for you before you even get into their sales funnel. And remember to come back next week where I'm going to be joined by Kobe Nielsen of Enveo. Enveo is transforming the way technology drives logistics as the only parcel TMS provider enabling end-to-end supply chain visibility. So Kobe will be telling us all about it. We're also going to be exploring issues around data, predictive analytics analysis, and finding the balance between cost reduction and customer satisfaction. We are going to be covering a lot of really valuable ground, so make sure you tune in. If you enjoy the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. 
subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, you can participate in our poll of the week every single Wednesday morning on LinkedIn, or you can go and give us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.